Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. But this is a great man of God. And I asked him to be with us. We've been in a series uh, sponsoring and supporting Celebrate Recovery called Helping the Hurting. I plagiarized most of the material from Brother, Mata- Brother Meyer and just spun my own stories in instead of his. But today he's going to speak to us and God's going to speak through him. Do you believe that? They have an excellent Celebrate Recovery program in their church and ours is growing too and I'm so thankful for that. I think the, not the, the last time I was there, but the previous time they had 19 people at Celebrate Recovery. I'm so glad to see the growth of that ministry. Brother Meyer, come and take your liberty. We appreciate you and your ministry. Well, good morning, everybody. You know what we usually do at our church to represent the fact that we are a family because that's what church is. It's the family of God. So I try to take out the stiff formality of things. And what I do is I have everybody go around, shake hands, greet each other. Because usually when you come into somebody's house, you spend a little time talking. I'm not asking you to talk a lot. But spend a little time talking, greeting each other, shaking hands, and getting comfortable. So, Brother Kylie, if you don't mind, why don't you just walk around and just greet each other. Tell each other how good you look. People loving people. There's an ulterior motive why I do that. I get to rearrange the furniture while people are shaking hands and get myself ready. Thank you so much. But you may be seated. You know, that was a very kind introduction. But I, it's my turn now. I want to tell you the kind of man and woman that serve you. Some years ago when I felt a call to start a work in New Berlin, I talked to my pastor, and he told me, he said, you know, I've never, I've never started a church says, I've always come into churches, took them over. He says, you're going to have to find someone that has done it. Very good advice. So I knew Brother Kiley was a man that felt a call and went, followed that call. So I was, I put myself on a, a fast, a very extended fast, and I came out to talk with Brother Kylie. I don't know if you remember that. And met him in his office, and I said, he said, well, what are you doing? And I said, well, I told him I was on this extended fast because I really wanted to get direction from the Lord, and I wanted to get myself out of the way and let the Spirit kind of help me. He says, wait here. Comes back in the office, and he says, 
I have just called Olympia Resort and I have reserved you a room for one week so that you can be alone as you wanted to be. All expenses are paid. He said, so I'm going to pray for you. He said, go get your articles together. And I went. Now, I didn't ask him for that. And he became a wonderful friend and mentor, not only to me, but to my wife who's here today, my lovely wife, Dolores. And both brother and sister Kylie became not only mentors, but wonderful, wonderful friends and have been by our side through quite literally everything. Behind the scenes, we go out to eat, we go golf, we've gone fishing, and he's taught me how to fish in very unique ways. Um, I never used a 307 to kill a fish, but um, I did. And um, we have just, we have spent so much time together, and they are truly, truly wonderful, wonderful friends, excellent leaders, and, and just humble servants. You are very blessed. And when you hold the man and woman of God up, when you pray for them, God blesses you. He blesses you. Never forget that. Well, I've been asked to come today and talk to you, but before I do that, and it was such an incredible move of God, I thought we could keep that going for forever. I want to share with you a funny story. My cousin shared it with me. I shared it last week. So I know the Larsons are here, so don't give it away. You know, when you get into a topic like I'm going to get into today, you sometimes have a problem of stepping on toes or raising the ire of people or bringing them down. And it is not my intention. It's my intention to help. But I always felt that starting off with a joke or something can lighten the mood. So... My cousin said this to me, so bear with me and listen. It's called Dividing Souls. On the outskirts of town, there was a big old pecan tree by a cemetery fence. One day, two boys filled up a bucket with pecans, sat down by the tree out of sight, and began dividing the nuts. One for you, one for me. One for you, one for me, said the boy. Several were dropped and rolled down toward the fence. Another boy came riding along the road on his bicycle. As he passed, he thought he heard voices from inside the cemetery. He slowed down to investigate. Sure enough, he heard, one for you, one for me. One for you, one for me. He just knew what it was. Oh my, he shuddered. It's Satan and the Lord dividing souls at the cemetery. He jumped back on his bike and rode off. Just around the bend, he met an old man with a cane hobbling along. 
Come here quick, said the boy. You won't believe what I just heard. Satan and the Lord are down at the cemetery dividing up souls. The man said, beat it, kid, can't you see? I can hardly walk. When the boy insisted, the man hobbled to the cemetery. Standing by the fence, they heard, one for you, one for me. One for you, one for me. The old man whispered, boy, you've been telling the truth. Let's see the devil himself. Shaking with fear, they peered through the fence, yet were unable to see anything. The old man and the boy gripped the wrought iron bars of the fence, pulled tighter and tighter as they tried to get a glimpse of Satan. At last they heard, one for you, one for me. One for you, and that's the last one for me. That's all. Now let's go down and get those nuts by the fence and we'll be done. <laughs> they say the old guy made it back to town five minutes before the boy. <laughs> Laughter doeth good like a medicine. It's good to be here today. I see some old friends, Cliff. Jan Matson, years ago, I really did have brown hair, didn't I? And I was thin. I want to talk to you today about the seventh principle in the recovery. And I am so glad that you have a recovery group here. I want to give honor to the Browns, brother and sister Brown. I know they're heading it up. The Pickles, because they help. And Sister Karen Cassins. You've got to understand that we call it a recovery group, but really, you have been talking a number of weeks about hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Does anybody fit that qualification here? I know that some don't want to raise their hands, but we all are there. We all are there. I go week after week, and I help to teach that class, and I am still finding that I am learning new things about myself and unburdening myself. Um, in your handouts, and I hope you brought pens, the first scripture that is on top there is Isaiah 57, 18, and it says, I have seen how they acted but I will heal them. I will lead them and help them, and I will comfort those who mourn. I offer peace to all near and far. And that's the Lord talking to each and every one of us because we all act sometimes out of sorts. We all do things that we shouldn't do. We all obtain habits in life that we need help with. And hurts, in a little while I'll tell you a little bit about myself, that sometimes are long-lasting. So, on your sheet, what do you need to be recovered from? And usually, in these groups, we say, well, it's alcoholics and it is drug addicts. I don't fit that bill. But look at the comprehensive, well, I shouldn't say comprehensive, but at least the list. Overworking, overeating, Grief, guilt, anger, rage, fear, anxiety, divorce, abuse, sexual addictions, complacency, 
insecurity, codependency, perfectionism, hypochondria, hurtful relations, gambling, lying, you can go down the list. I mean, by no means is this everything, but each and every one of us needs to understand there are things that we need to get over. There are things that we need to take care of. A little bit about me, why this, and I don't even want to call it program because it is really life itself. If you go through the 12 steps, the 12 steps are things that we can use on a daily basis or use throughout our entire life. But for me, I'm 59 years old. I just turned 59 and the 25th of February, and I thought the rapture was going to happen a long time ago. I never thought I'd get to be this age. But here I am. But when I was younger, you young people, I want you to understand something. When I was younger, I was born into a household. There's four of us. And I was the third. I had two older sisters. I was horribly abused by my sisters. Don't you feel sorry for me? (laughs) At age six... My mother was severely um, depressed. She had our sister, the fourth child. And I don't know if you ever remember Andrea Yates. Horrible story. My mother heard voices and she heard that she should kill her child. So instead of taking her child's life, my mother took her own life. One day I had a mother, the next day I did not. I went through school, grade school, burying my face at times when they asked if your mother would make something for the bake sale, and I was embarrassed, and these things a little kid shouldn't have to face at times, and friends saying, well, he doesn't have a mother. And then in sixth grade, between sixth and seventh grade, I I was on the football team, and I trusted a coach, and um, he abused me twice. First time, I didn't know what was happening. Second time, I was so scared. And then I couldn't tell my father. My father was an alcoholic. So he was riddled with his own grief at the loss of his wife. And I'm carrying that. At age 12, I started to drink because my father drank. So what we do is we'd either rob from places or we'd beg for things or we'd We'd do whatever that we had to do. And then at age 15, because my father did not take care of himself, he had a leg amputation because he had poor circulation. And they forgot to put him back in his blood thinners. And he came home, and he was home for maybe two, three weeks. He threw a blood clot. Before this happened, I remember the day perfectly. It was 1971, July 5th. And my father, I was going to go with my friends to a park. And my father stopped me. He was laying on the couch. And he said, you're going to be a man someday. And I thought, what an odd, what an odd thing to begin to say to me. And he began to talk to me about life. And at the very end of that conversation, he said something to me he had never said before. He said, I love you. So first time my father told me he loved me. I left only to come back 
to find out that he'd passed away. This was not how life was supposed to be for an individual. This is truly what you call dysfunctionality. My little sister who was in the household was adopted after my mother killed herself. So it was just the three of us, my two sisters, I, and my sisters tried to do the best that they could with me, but I began to be even more out of control. Drugs, all sorts of them. Reached out to an aunt who I thought would be a surrogate mother, found some solace there only to find out her health wasn't good. Six months later, she passed away of a heart attack. Reached out to an uncle who took me under his wings. A year later, he dies of a heart attack. You know, when, when you talk about hurts, habits, hang-ups, those things come in all different sizes and packages. And those are dark areas of our lives that lead us into areas that sometimes we don't even want to be in. Or when we get there, we just don't understand how we got there. So for the past several weeks, you have been talking about those dark areas and you have come out of darkness into the marvelous light of Jesus Christ to help you to overcome. Today, I want to talk to you about maintaining that relationship, that, that ability to overcome. Because what can happen is we can relapse. It's very easy to relapse. It's very easy to, as we call it in our Christian circles, backslide. We can backslide very easy from a road that Christ leads us to as far as recovery is concerned. And all of those gains that we make seem to slip away. So today I want to talk to you about how to avoid that. And really, really listen to me, listen. The recovery group or your Celebrate Recovery meetings are not just for alcoholics or just for drug addicts. It's really for everybody that wants to find peace of mind. And I'll explain that to you a little more. First, you have to understand what happens in relapse because it's very predictable. It's almost the same steps that we would find when we slip away from God. First thing is, you become complacent. You start getting comfortable with short-term games that you, you make. I always love people when they come to the Lord, first of all, they are excited. They're excited, man. They're going to burn up the town. And you watch them. But then, all of a sudden, a cool-down period comes. And they begin to take things for granted. Those gains that they make, those wonderful inroads that they make for reducing the pain that they have in life, all of a sudden they, they think they can do it on their own. They forget that the Lord is there and 
They become very complacent. The sec second thing is it's confusion. They start to rationalize. They start to rationalize bad behavior and they forget really how bad they were. They forget really how bad things in life had gotten. And then they start to compromise. Well, maybe it wasn't so bad hanging around with those people or going to those specific places and I think I can still take care of it. It's kind of like a person that says, let's go to Las Vegas, we'll just see the shows if they have a gambling problem. The fourth thing then is catastrophe. When you give in to the old habits, the old hurts, hate comes back, resentment comes back, the old hang-ups start to come back. You need to understand though that the collapse is not the relapse. The relapse happened much earlier. It starts a lot earlier. So what can cause a relapse? Now here's for those of you that are type A's, get your pens out. The first thing in causing a relapse is you revert to willpower. Galatians 3 and 3, how can you be so foolish having begun in the spirit? In King James it says, now be made perfect by the flesh, but in this rendition, do you now want to finish on your own power? You started off trusting God, didn't you? You started off understanding that you were powerless in step one to those things that were really causing you the difficulty and the pain. Step two, you understood that the only higher power was God. God is that power that can help you. And in three, you give in to God. You say, Lord, I need your help now. And you start to make the wonderful changes that will affect greater benefits in your life. I have a couple that I've been dealing with. Very, very terrible things took place in their life and their marriage was almost gone. She had had an affair and he was having an affair they both caught each other and children were involved and they were going to separate. And It was so funny, hadn't seen them for a while, they came back just when they were about ready to divorce. And we started looking back at God. We started looking back at the principles that God could help them with. And they started to put those principles in place. And I am here to tell you today that this couple loves each other. They're now budgeting. They're now doing everything. Why? Because God, God was the one that first brought them together. God was the one that helped them. But then when they left God off, when they started to realize, hey, we're not so bad. That's when the problems started coming in. It's the willpower. It's like a middle-aged lady that 
went to New York and went up to the 23rd floor of the apartment, knocked on the door. A beautiful young lady opened the door, incense wafting out, music playing, and she's wearing a long flowing robe. She's clapping little bells and she said, are you here to see the great Bhagwan? The one who knows all, sees all, tells all, understands everything and is in control of all things? She said, yes, tell Sheldon his mother is here. We all need someone, maybe I'm that someone today, to tell you you're just like Sheldon. We need someone to tell us, who are you kidding? You've got to come down to reality and understand you need help. You can't do these things on your own. You don't know everything. But I can point you to the one that does, and it's God. Zechariah 4 and 6 says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. He will succeed because of my spirit. Only God, say only God. Only God has the power to take away those defects. Number two, ignoring one of the steps. We all get in a hurry. We are all in the instant generation, aren't we? You can get information at an instant with your iPads. You can cook instant meals. You can go get instant food right away. So why shouldn't our recovery, why shouldn't our repairs be instant, right? Let's just add water and we will be good to go. I told you my story earlier because it doesn't work that way. Sometimes it takes multiple years, but it's a step-by-step process. And you can't ignore the steps. You can't circumvent and go around certain steps. One of the steps is you've got to make amends. If you've hurt people, you've got to make amends to those people. You can't skip those steps or you'll relapse. You need to follow everything that God has put in place for life's principles. You need to listen to what is being said. You need to open your heart, and then you need to implement. You'll find the fix will work, but you can't skip the steps. Galatians 5 and 7, you were running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? You need to keep working. And I'm sure that when you get into these areas and you begin to see the steps that are needed to be taken, some of them will not be palatable. Making an inventory, an honest inventory of self. Sometimes looking in the mirror is very hard, but you shouldn't skip them. You need to go through with them. Number three, trying to recover without support. I can do this all by myself. My kids had a book when they were little. I I just couldn't stand it. It was a little book that we had for them, and it showed this little girl, and it said, I can 
get up, I can make my bed all by myself. I can go into the kitchen and pop my toast all by myself. And when I really took a look at that book, I thought, what are we letting our children read? They really do need help in life. They really do need suggestions. They really do need mentors in their life. And in this process of recovering those areas that the devil steals from you, you need support. Thank God for a church family. Thank God for brothers and sisters that care. Because you can't do it by yourself. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 10 says this. Two are better off than one because if one of them falls down, the other can help them up. But if someone is alone and falls, it's too bad because there's no one there to listen and lift him up or help him. You can't. You can't. Lick your problems all by yourselves. You just can't. The theologian, the great theologian Bill Withers said it this way. We all need somebody to lean on. Right? Do you have partners? Do you have friends? You can't do it by yourself. And I always get a little sideways with people at church because we have our Sunday service, which is always the most well-attended service. Everybody is there. But then when it comes to the midweek service, where are they? Hebrews 10 and 25 says, not the forsaking of yourselves as the manner of some is, but all the more as you see that evil day approaching. We need to get in the habit of getting together, being together, and your Celebrate Recovery Group is a very wonderful meeting to attend. It's something that will truly help. It's something that will give you the energy, will give you the ability, will give you the resources that will help you to recover will help you to be a better person. After all, the root of really all of our problems is relational, isn't it? We don't have a relationship with God, and then what happens? Life goes sideways. If we don't have a horizontal relationship with God, then our vertical relationships with people. Because we're first asked to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, but then what do we told to do, to love our neighbor as ourself. And so what we need to do is we need to have people alongside us as we walk through life, husband with wife, children with your parents, congregation with pastor. This will help us not to relapse. This will help us to keep moving forward. We've got to understand that if we try to do it by ourselves, it's kind of like driving a car, 55 miles an hour, taking your hands off the steering wheel. 
you've got a good alignment, you're going to go straight for a while, but I can totally assure you that somewhere along the line, if you don't grab the wheel once again, you're going to end up in a horrible crash. We need to avail ourselves to each other for support. And it will help us with denial. Because when we get together with other people, it's like a mirror. We hear testimonies, we hear what people are going through. We kind of can see ourselves and we can sometimes find the solution to our problems when we hear other people. Or when they hear you. We all have our part to play. The other thing that happens in a relapse is we become very prideful. I know none of you are like that. We get overconfident. I'm strong. I've got this hurt licked. I can overcome this habit. But we really can't. There's a verse of scripture in Proverbs 16 and 18 and it says, pride goes before destruction. You need to stay humble or you're really going to stumble. The person who gets too big for their britches will eventually get exposed in the end. There's another principle. Remember the lesson of the whale. When you get to the top and you're ready to blow, that's usually when you're going to get harpooned. Pride needs to be eliminated. We need to really think of ourselves in the right perspective. There's a story of a father and his daughter. Her name was Hannah. One day when his son Scott was two years old, he heard him crying. He went into the room and he saw his daughter Hannah, who was four, was there also. Plastic bat was laying on the floor. Father said, what happened to Scott? Hannah answered, he hit his head. Father said, on what? She pointed toward the bat on the floor and said, the bat. He said, where was the bat? She said, in my hand. We can't push our problems off and we can't let our pride get a hold of us and say it's really not my fault. We've got to be honest. We really have to be honest and not blame others for the predicaments we get ourselves into or the problems we have. You know, I could have played the victim card so many times in my life. Poor me. No parents. Poor me. I was abused. That's why I made the mistakes. But see, I had to get my pride aside and say, I made some decisions in life that caused me to spiral out of control. There are certainly things, my, my dear friends, that 
are beyond your control. Those things don't, don't try to take on and try to take blame for. But the things that you, you've got to look at and you've got to assess is your part in how life is falling apart. You've got to be honest and you've got to say, hey, I've got the bat in my hand. I'm the one that's causing the damage. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says, so if you think you're standing, watch out that you do not fall. The secret to lasting health and recovery is really living humbly, to walk humbly with God. Your life should be in the state of humility, not false humility, real humility. Understanding your position in life, understanding who you are, understanding where God is, understanding that everyone is important. And so are you. You have to live in that constant state of humility. When the Soviet Union broke up, there was a German teenage boy who flew a private airplane into Soviet airspace and landed it in the Kremlin in Red Square. The most heavily guarded airspace in the world. And the kid flew right into it. The parable of that is this. It says that your greatest weakness is often an unguarded strength. I've got it all together. Don't worry about me. You've got to understand the Bible says, let him who thinks he stands, stand lest he falls. Not my marriage. My marriage isn't going to fall apart. I'd never get addicted to anything. You know, when I was a kid, I never thought I'd get into the trouble I got into. And can I tell you this? I had a wonderful move of God, and I've got a wonderful wife here. And I wish I could tell you that when I got the Holy Ghost, everything was great. But it wasn't. Because I brought baggage into my relationship. And I wished that there was some kind of program, there was some kind of meeting that I could have unfettered myself. But you know, this wonderful woman, this wonderful woman listened to a lot of my problems, saw a lot of my tears. And she hung in there with me. But we need it. We need to understand that we cannot do this alone. And when we think we can stand, sometimes we fall. We relapse. We need to guard against those things. How do we prevent relapse? What kind of maintenance should we do? Well, in this step seven, this principle, you find that 
it's very easy. It's kind of things that we as pastors, you as people that want to help other people, it's, it's a given. We, we talk to people about this. You reserve a daily time with God for self-examination, biblical reading, and prayer in order to know God and his will for your life and to gain the power to do it. And that's based on that scripture in Mark 14 and 38. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body can truly be weak. That was at a very, very intense moment where Christ was going through his agony and he was telling his, his disciples that you need to be awake, you need to pray, you need to strengthen yourselves. What he was actually saying to us almost 2,000 years in the future is it's human nature to relapse. It's, it's one of those things that I think we're good at without really even trying. It's one of those things you don't really have to be taught, you just know how to do. It's kind of like kids, you don't have to really teach them how to be bad. It's just one of those things, it's second nature. You gotta teach them how to be good. So, it is human nature at times for us to revisit our past problems, our old hurts, our hang-ups. You know, it's always interesting to me if you look in Romans the 8th chapter at the very end, it talks about the things that will not separate us from the love of Christ. Did you ever read that list? But there's a very interesting thing that I have found that it talks about things present or things to come, but it never really says the past. I think Paul was trying to let us know that the past can separate you from the love of God. When we ruminate, when we dwell, when we keep bringing it up, when we live in it. So we need to evaluate. There needs to be an evaluation on a pretty continual basis. 1 Corinthians 13 on your sheet, it says, check up on yourselves. And in Lamentations, it says, let us examine ourselves and let us repent. There are four kinds of inventory that we need to consider. First of all, physical. You need to ask yourself a question. What is my body telling me? Good friend here today, my cousin's son, Michael, and his wife, Robin. Robin is our massage therapist she does a good job but she can tell you that when you're tense your body is telling you something is anybody tense here today nobody wants to admit it <laughs> when you're tense your body has given you the ability to understand there is something lurking in the shadows that is bugging you. You need to evaluate. You don't need to. I, I was once told by a, a chiropractor, you know, your pain is just like, like an instrument panel on your car. Did you ever see those red lights? Yeah. He says, when a red light is on, 
It's telling you something. You can either do one of two things. You can either heed the warning or you can take a hammer and smash it. Problem fixed, solved, right? No. Because if you go on without the warning, something is going to fall apart. So, in evaluation, physically, we've got to understand that our body is a barometer. It's telling us something. And so, to take care of that, when we're hungry, when we're tired, when we're fatigued, we need to do something about it. Again, I know this is kind of a paid commercial, but Celebrate Recovery can help you with those things. It can help you to unburden yourself and you will find that the stressors your body is putting on, you will start to see them dissipate. Talk is really inexpensive. The next thing is in evaluation, you've got to evaluate your emotional base. What am I feeling right now? Not just my body, but what feelings do I have? What things are going through my mind? Am I just pushing them down? Am I not really looking at them? Because if you push your feelings down, it's like shaking up a bottle of soda and not releasing the cap. It can blow. So you've got to do a heart check. Each letter of heart. First, H, am I hurting? E, am I exhausted? A, am I angry? R, am I resenting anybody? T, am I tense? These are things that you need to understand and you need to do and put in place. Otherwise, your relapse will come. And then it's just how long do you want to stay down? Because God has made you to be up. The next part of evaluation is relational. Am I at peace with everyone? Am I in conflict with my neighbor? Am I in conflict with my spouse? Am I in conflict with children? Am I in conflict? Because when you're in conflict with someone even though they might not be at your locale. They could be 1,500 miles away, but they're still in your mind. And if you're out to eat somewhere and you've got this beautiful steak and you're in conflict with somebody, each bite that you take doesn't really taste so good. And when you go to bed, it's like sleeping on a bed of nails. Why? Because you are in conflict with an individual or individuals that you just can't get off your mind. You need to sweep yourself of those preoccupations. And the fourth thing in evaluation is spiritual. Am I relying on God? glad you're here this morning. It shows that you trust God. That you're not just taking up space. You've come here for a reason. But in your evaluation, you have to know, am I trusting 
in God in all things right now? Or am I letting those things get the best of me? Galatians 6 and 4 says, each one should test his own action. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to someone else. You need to set aside these things. You need to really be honest with self. And when do you do these evaluations? How many of you are neatniks? How many of you cannot stand when things are out of place? You can do your inventory daily on a daily process. If something is out of, out of line, if something is not right, well, then take care of it right then and there. If you've got a problem, if you're a neat nick, right after this service, pull out your phone. If you've got something with somebody, call them up. Tell them you want to talk or else talk right there. Take care of it. Or maybe some of you wait till the day's over. At the end of the day, then you can start to really think about things a little better. All the problems of the day are done. Now I need to take an inventory of where I am. Then take care of it. Take care of it. Or maybe you're an annual person. Everybody puts a lot of stock in January 1st. It's resolution time. You know, a couple times I have done this, I have sat down in my office and I've put a pad of paper in front of me and I've gone over the year and I've taken an assessment of my life. I've written it all down. This went wrong, this I should have done, this, and, and try to get everything out there and then try to put a plan together so that I can free myself up of inner struggles or, or things that are really problematic in my life. And then what I do with that list is I destroy it but at least I'm taking care of it. So you can take care of it on a continual basis. You can take care of it at the end of the day or at the end of the year, you can take care of things. I wouldn't suggest waiting until the end of the year, but you need to prioritize your life if you're gonna prevent relapse, if you're gonna prevent going in the wrong direction. And then meditation. You know, that's a, word that's gotten a bad rap. It's a biblical, it's a good biblical word, but it's been co-opted by other people. Simply what meditation is, is slowing down long enough to hear God. We have a word in Psalms that's called selah, pause, consider, think. We need to understand the secret of that spiritual strength when we meditate before God. And we understand that we're in a fight. Each and every one of us, we're in a fight on a continual basis. Someone asked me, why, is, why does it seem like every day is so out of sorts? Why can't I just have rest? Can I tell you something? When you came to God, you put a big bullseye on your body. Did you ever see that far side cartoon, Two Deers? They're, they're standing by a tree and the one deer's got this big bullseye on his chest and the other deer looks at him and says, hmm, 
Bummer of a birthmark, Hal. <laughs> You've got to understand that you are in conflict not only with the devil, but you're in conflict with the world and you're in conflict with yourself because the flesh wars against the spirit. So we need to slow down this fast pace of life. We need to slow down and we need to meditate before the Lord. We need to let the word of God wash over us. We're washed by the water of the word. We need to let the verses of scripture just begin to have their way in our lives. Psalm 1, verse 1 through 3 is such a wonderful psalm. Listen to what it says. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditate on his law day and night. That person, that individual is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. See, when you slow life down, when you start to really think about what God is doing in your life, what God is wanting to achieve in your life, do you know what you do? You start to put roots down deep. You start to let God do what only God can do. And just before, we felt it. We felt it as the music was going. Something incredible was taking place, more so than any preaching could ever do because what God can do in seconds, no amount of preaching could ever do. We need to slow down. We need to meditate. We need to let God begin to do something in our lives. Because then and only then can we, we keep at bay relapse. We can begin to understand that we don't have to go in those old paths. We say, we have a tendency to say, I'm stuck in a rut. I've often heard that a rut is nothing more than a grave with two ends kicked out. We need to get out. We need to get above. We need God's word. We need each other. We need the success of speaking and talking, not only about the word of God, but talking about what is inside of us and then praying one for another. That will begin to help. That will begin to take you to areas that you've never been in before. I really do suggest that if you've not gone into to see one of the classes, if you've not been a part of the Celebrate Recovery, pop in. Make a date to be there once or twice. Maybe you can unburden yourself or maybe you can help in specific areas because that's what we're mandated to do. We're mandated to help all people all people. 
Psalm 119 and 11, I thought much about your word and stored them in my heart so that they would hold me back from sin. We need really to put God's word at high priority. Memorization is excellent. To memorize the word of God, to put it deep down inside. Because in those times when you're pulled in the wrong direction, you're pulled to go to areas or be involved in certain aspects of life that you shunned away from, I can guarantee you the word of God will come up. It will truly be that lamp unto your feet and light unto your path. And I know that a lot of you know how to worry. So if you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. Worry is just negative meditation. Huh? If you can ruminate about something over and over in your mind, then you can ruminate over and over about the good things that God has for you. You can, you can begin to bring it up again and again and again. That's meditating on the good things. And then the final thing, the final thing that we need to understand if we're going to get away from relapse is prayer. Prayer. If I were to put that in priorities, I'd put prayer number one. You need to develop a life that is set on communicating with God. We had a couple come by us, they were having marital difficulties, and um, I'm surprised at how many people are having trouble with their marriages. I really am. And um, we said, do you pray together? And the man said, no, I pray by myself. I said, well, why don't you pray with your wife? Well, I've never done that. Well, it's pretty easy. It's pretty easy to pray. Well, he said, how do you do it? Come here, honey. We, we get up every morning. She loves her coffee. So we have a Kerrig and we fire up the Kerrig machine and what we do is we get a cup of coffee and then I'll sit on one side of the recliner. She'll sit on the other. And then we'll read a devotional and I'm not saying we do this all the time, but we then pray. We pray, but we do at times pray together. I'll lay my head in her lap because I like her to stroke my head. And uh, I just start to pray for her as long as she's stroking my head. <laughs> and then as she's stroking my head, she starts to pray for me. And so we have this litany of prayer going back and forth. And we just wanted to show you how that works for you husbands and wives that don't do it. So this is probably how we do it in this manner. Lord, I thank you for this day and I pray right now that you would just 
put your hedge of protection around my wife's life. God, she's going to go to work today, and Lord, she's going to have so many different situations. But I would just pray that you would give her the wisdom, the knowledge, and the strength, God, to make it through this day. But God, to be, a, to be an effective witness. Lord God, I thank you for my wonderful husband, and I ask you as he goes into this day to stir up the Holy Spirit within him that you have given him to guide him and lead him in every aspect of his life. And Lord God, also, he loves your word. Let that word become an anchor for him, an anchor for his soul, Lord God, to keep him in your ways, Lord God. And then, God, we pray also for our children. God, you know that David, Melissa, Becky, God, they're going to their prospective places as well as their spouses. Lord, Ben and Angie, and Lord, we pray for Michael that you would just keep them. Lord, help them today in the decisions that they make and then our grandchildren also. I thank you, Lord, for our marriage, Lord God. You have been in it from the beginning, God. Continue to guide it. And Lord, help us, Lord, to love each other and, and to let our children and our grandchildren see this love, Lord God. And, and let it make a difference, Lord God, and everywhere we go, Lord, that we could shine for you through this, Lord God. And God, we're going to be careful today to do everything that we possibly can to honor and glorify you. We ask all this together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As she strokes my head. We don't want to relapse. We don't want to backslide. We want to be the light that this world sees. We want to be people that really do live a life that is pleasing unto God. And that people can find the respite that they need. That they can follow us and come to a family that can help them also. Prayer should be number one. Prayer should be a big deal. Prayer should be tantamount to us staying on track. You know, I know I've gone a little longer than I should today. And uh, I apologize for that. But I know today, today in this room, that some of you are hurting. Some of you are carrying things that you've carried for quite a long time. And you have been afraid to share them. Maybe that you wouldn't be understood Maybe you have some habits that you've developed over a period of time that you've wanted to get rid of, but you can't get rid of. And when you think you get rid of them, all of a sudden they come right back. And then there's hang-ups. What a better place to have everything taken care of than in the presence of God. Recovery. God has come into our lives so that we can recover ourselves out of the sin that we've gotten ourselves into. And God, there's his love, there's no strings attached. There's nothing you can do that would make God flee from you. It's only us that flee from him. This morning, if you've not properly repented, today is the day. Why put it off any longer? Today is the day that you make the decision that I am going to give my heart to you, Lord, 
And I'm going to turn from the way that I have presently been walking and walk in your direction. If you've not been baptized, why do we baptize? Because we, we are baptized into his death. It says that we put on Christ when we're baptized. So if you've not been baptized by total immersion in the name of Jesus Christ, really consider do it today. Do it as soon as you can because it makes a difference. Your sins are then remitted. You are lighter. You're freer. And if you've not been filled with the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in other tongues, don't wait. The world calls it glossilia. I don't care what they call it. I just know it happened to me. And when it happened to me in 1980, when it happened to me in 1980, it started my recovery process. All those hurts, those hang-ups, those habits that I had, God started to deal with. If you would have told me I was going to be a minister, I would have told you, you're crazy. But you want to know something? God has a way of doing something in people's lives that totally, totally astounds them. Why wait? Why wait? You can be filled with the Holy Ghost this morning. So I don't know if you have someone come up to your piano or you have some sing if they come up now, but if you'd please stand to your feet. And again, another, another plug. Browns, thank you for what you're doing. I know you're doing it under the leadership. You're doing it under the leadership of Brother Kylie. I know you pickles, wherever you are, where are you? Wave your hands. Where are you? Wave them. Thank you, pickles. Karen, thank you. Please listen. It's not the other people that need that. It's all of us. It's every single one of us. We all have things that eat at us. We all have things that at times separate us from that love of God. It's more than a program. It's a lifestyle. And what better way than to get together with people that are trying to. The Bible says, confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. That has been put there for a for a very, very distinct reason, so that we can recover. We can recover ourselves out of the snare of the devil who takes people captive at his will. So this morning, if you've got something deep inside that you want to rid yourself of, I want you to believe this, God's in the house. He can heal you. He can deliver you. He can set you free. So I'm going to say a prayer and then this altar's open. Those of you that are prayer warriors, if you want to pray with some people, those of you that just need to unburden yourself, by all means, do it this morning. Don't wait. Because today can be a great day for you if you're only but honest. Father, I thank you. I thank you for 
God, so many things, but one thing in particular, your love that never fails. God, there are so many things that are not only in my life, but God, in the lives of so many others that hinder them, their hurts. God, from maybe the past, maybe present. God, there are hang-ups that, Lord, have kept us tethered so long to world and, and other areas that we want to be free from. And then there are habits, God. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.